Welcome inside this week's episode of A Call Away. I'm Adam Giardino, radio broadcaster for the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, the AAA affiliate of the New York Yankees, and we're coming at you live from PNC Field here in Music. Scranton-Wilkes-Barre gets ready to take on the Charlotte Knights, the Gwinnett Stripers, a couple of IL South opponents for the first time this season. This week's episode of the podcast, we're going to hit you up with some highlights. The Rail Riders had a walk-off home run last week. We're going to get you up to date with the guy that hit the home run, Wendell Riho. He's a 23-year-old that the New York Yankees acquired in a trade last season from the Milwaukee Brewers. It was when they shipped Eric Kratz over to the Brewers, and Kratz helped Milwaukee make that exciting postseason run all the way to the NLCS. Well, Wendell Riho was the return piece, and Riho has really been playing well lately. He's shown off a lot of power. He's a 23-year-old at this stage of his career, might be better suited for AA, yet when he's been in the lineup in AAA, it feels like he, he hasn't been too overmatched. So an interesting guy certainly to keep an eye on in Wendell Riho and Im- impressive for a 23-year-old from the Dominican to speak English as well as he does. So I think you'll enjoy that conversation. We'll have a conversation with one of the beat writers for the New York Yankees from MLB.com. It's Brian Hoke. He and Mark Feinsand visited the ballpark recently, and we were able to talk to Brian about his book, Mission 27, which, of course, reviews the 2009 World Series championship for the New York Yankees. 10-year anniversary, and he's got plenty of fun stories to tell and packed in there. So you'll certainly want to listen all the way through that. And then at the very end, we've got our minor league report with reports up and down the system from single A Charleston to high A Tampa, double A Trenton to right here in triple A with Scranton Wilkesbury. And our very own Adam Marco joins us on the report, but he also hops in for some broadcast banter just as he does every episode. And we'll talk trade deadline, what happened or the lack thereof of what happened for the Yankees. Davey Garcia and what we've seen now from him five times in AAA, and some of these names that Yankee fans are not going to be as familiar with. Of course, there are certainly some names like uh, Giovanni Urshela that Yankee fans were unfamiliar with, and now they're more than familiar with here in 2019. But with the recent rash of injuries and Luke Voigt going down, Glaber Torres going down, guys like Bravik Valera, Tyro Estrada, Mike Ford, all needed at the big league level right now. And these are some guys that Adam and I have gotten plenty of eyes on over the course of this season. So really interested to hear what Adam has to say, his take on those guys going up to the big leagues. Just as we do every week, though, we will start with the highlights. And for Scranton-Wilkes-Barre, last Monday couldn't have started any better. It was a series opener against the Syracuse Mets, and the Rail Riders trailed 3-1 going to the bottom of the sixth inning. But then Scranton-Wilkes-Barre plated three runs, including a two-run double from Eric Kratz to put him ahead 4-3. We go into the ninth with the Rail Riders still on top by a run, but Syracuse ties it. They do so off of J.P. Fyreisen, who gives a run up on three hits while striking out a pair. And the Rail Riders go into the bottom of the ninth, tied 4-4. First man struck out, but the next man up was Wendell Riho. Here's the 2-2. Riho turns on one. This to the warning track, the wall. Adios and via con Dios. Wendell Rio with a walk-off homer. He just missed earlier in the night. This time clears the wall into the bullpen and Scranton Wilkesbury with a walk-off blast of its own. 5-4 Rail Riders walk it off and moves it. 
The home run for Riho was his third of the year, and it was the ninth walk-off win for the Rail Riders this season, and the third time that the Rail Riders have walked off with a homer. So Scran Wilkesbury started the week off well with a win over Syracuse, and the very next day they came from behind again to beat the Syracuse Mets. They took a two-game series from Syracuse with a sweep, but Scranton Wilkesbury, as they went into the bottom of the eighth inning, the game was tied at three. And after a leadoff walk to Gosuke Kato, up stepped Trey Ambergy. Three balls, two strikes. Nobody out, runner on at first. Kato goes. Ambergy hammers it to left field. And this is out of here. Two run blast for Trey Ambergy, 19th of the season. And the Rail Riders are back in front. It's 5 3 in the bottom half of the eighth inning. So that was a go ahead shot. In fact, Francisco Arcia followed with a homer of his own. And that made it 6-3, Scranton Wilkes-Barre over Syracuse in Tuesday's game. Now, the team went on the road. They played in Rochester. They lost a couple of games, losing 6-1 and then 5-3. So the Rail Riders return home, having split the first four games of the week. And on Friday, they came away with another thriller at PNC Field. It was a 5-1 deficit going into the bottom of the fifth inning. The Rail Riders scored three times, but they gave up a run in the top of the sixth. So it was 6-4 Lehigh Valley on top, and the Rail Riders loaded the bases with one out. A wild pitch helped plate a run for scranton Wilkesbury. It brought him back to within a run, and with Clint Frazier at the dish, he made sure the Rail Riders were no longer trailing in the ballgame. The one-two pitch to Frazier, a swing and a fly ball high in the air to left field. Ali Castillo goes back on the track. He's at the wall, and this is gone. As majestic a high fly ball homer as you could have off the bat of Clint Frazier. Strand Wilkesbury has rallied all the way back. So the Rail Riders won that one 9-6 when it was all said and done Friday. They lost on Saturday, but they took the finale of the three-game set from Lehigh Valley, winning 12-5 on the back of Eric Kratz's six RBI game. Now, for Kratz, he'd played just over 1,000 games in his professional career, and that is only the second time in over 1,000 games that Kratz has had a six RBI game. So really... Really fun stuff for Kratz, who finished Sunday's game with a homer, a sack fly, and a two-run single. All in all, a successful week for Scranton Wilkes-Barre, in which they won four out of seven games, and they kept a pretty good lead in the IL North Division, six games up still on the Buffalo Bisons with under a month to go in the regular season. That very first highlight we played you was the walk-off home run for Wendell Riho, and we promised you that we would get that conversation for you, and so we'll do that right now. Now, Wendell Riho, our pregame guest last week on the Rail Riders Radio Network. We wanted to talk to him about his recent run of success, including that walk-off home run last Monday. For me, this is this was my second time got, uh, that I got traded. I was with the Red Sox and I got traded to the Brewers. That, that first time, it was kind of tough to me because I was kind of kind of young and I didn't understand like what was going on exactly. But... The second time that I got traded here, so it was a little bit like easier to me, like kind of know a couple guys here, so it was kind of kind of better experience for me. But I think the uh, the first thing that comes through your mind is like uh, wh- how your team is are gonna be with you, how how the team is gonna treat you, and it's been like really great to me, like how the Yankees treat me so far, and it's been a great experience to me. 
just one player traded, it seems, from the Yankees. Joe Harvey getting traded away, and it's going to be tough to see a, a guy go away. Last year, we lost seven players at the deadline. How difficult is it for a player that, you know, these are your brothers, your friends, that you're around them pretty much nonstop. You spend all of your time to have one person, one component traded away. That's got to be a difficult feeling, even if it's not your name. It's somebody else that you're friends with, you play with daily, that you're out there cheering for. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. I mean, it's kind of tough to for us, like, lose like those type of guys that have been helping the team so, so much. But it might it might be a good a good take take for for the team and and we just play baseball and we 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 do whatever we can to to stay like confident and stay healthy and they do their job i bet it's going to be a, a great opportunity for harvey to to be in a, a better team or in a different team and and pitch how he he's been pitching here he's going to be like a superstar over there i, I bet Talking with Wendell Rijo, playing the infield tonight at second base this evening for Scranton Wilkesbury. Monday night, tie game, two balls, two strike count. What do you see in that pitch that you drive into the bullpen? Well, I saw a changeup. I was kind of uh, on on this guy because I was like ready for the fastball all the time, and his changeup wasn't moving that much. So I saw it in the second pitch, I guess. I guess. And I kind of knew like if I just get the, that head out, of my bat, I'll gotta get a good chances to to do something with. But the the for, main thing for me was like try to get on or hit a, a some extra base so I can get like the team going. That's all. I don't know if you saw the video, but there's an angle of view from right beside the dugout with a pretty big bat flip. <laughs> Was it just the emotion of the situation? I mean, I, I don't know if you're necessarily a big bat flip guy, but that was a that was a pretty good celebration. <laughs> I mean, I never. That's the first time that I do that. Is because it was like a special moment and, and a great time. I think it's a great time to do it. Like you just win the game. You gotta enjoy yourself there, and I just let the things happen and and I did whatever my body felt to do, and it was a great experience. And I saw the video. It was like really really nice to me <laughs> i've uh, the people I, I just want the people to enjoy it and la- how i how i enjoy it and just keep having fun here last week in columbus a grand slam for the rail riders as they swept the columbus clippers that was a fun series but then to go to louisville lose three straight come back home sweep how do you as a player how do players handle this up and down and just try to be consistent no matter what the travel is no matter what the schedule is no matter what kind of ballpark you're playing in, whether it's AAA or AA, how do you make it through a season with all the highs and the lows that you're forced to deal with as a player? How do you personally handle it? I mean, I've been around like like enough to to try to control that. It's been a lot of up and downs, and like you said, but we're still a pretty good team, and we we're still in first place. So I don't think we got any pressure on on us. We just keep playing and grinding like every game. Uh, yesterday we were at home and now we're we're here and I just feel like we just gotta do the same thing every day. We're playing same same sport every day, so I kind of used to like go over there, go come back, and all this this crazy schedule that we've been having. Lastly, for you, we do bold predictions on our pregame show, crazy things that we think might happen. 
Give me a bold prediction for Davey Garcia tonight. What do you think Davey does here this evening against the Rochester Red Wings? First time he's seeing somebody not Columbus, not Louisville. What do you expect from Davey? Well, if I know something about Davey, he's going to strike out people, and, and that's going to be the, his main stuff. He's going to have his all his pitches going, and he's going to strike out a lot of people. You will see that. Ten? We going on ten? I got from eight to ten, I got Davey doing it. Yes. Back inside a call away, Adam Giardino with you. And as always on the broadcast banter segment of the podcast, we are joined by the voice of the Rail Riders, Adam Marco. It is our first time touching base since the trade deadline. And it's really a lot of what didn't happen for the New York Yankees and the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. Joe Harvey got traded from the Rail Riders over to the Colorado Rockies organization. But I think Yankee fans those in touch with the Rail Riders might be surprised that Clint Frazier is still on the roster. You're still here? Yeah, me especially. I am still here? I was stunned. Clint Frazier also still here. And you look at this deadline, I think, as a Yankees fan. You want the Yankees to go out. You want them to get that ace or that two or three starter. Starting pitching is the most common thing associated with this club's needs this year. I don't know if we keep in the proper frame of reference the injuries and what could be coming back in the month of August and in September and how that could boost the team. And they've played well enough, I guess, if you know you like a big division lead and a lot of home runs that it doesn't matter what your pitching does. Yes, Clint Frazier is an asset. The Yankees did not make that deal at the deadline and people are scratching their head why. And I think... You have to have two pieces to this. One, you think that Frazier is a part of your organization. He's a guy that still has something that he's going to bring to the table for you because how long do you keep this going? How long can guys like Mike Talkman, who's been phenomenal this year, this last month for the Yankees, is he a cornerstone piece? I don't know if we know that answer yet. Frazier still very well could be. So the Yankees fan base sees this. It's an asset. We can get what we need right now. But what you need right now might be Luis Severino coming back healthy and buying more out of the bullpen as it were, as opposed to a starting pitcher. I think the other half of it is if the deal wasn't there, then why force it? If you couldn't find that perfect trade partner, if you couldn't get Zach Wheeler or you couldn't get Bumgarner, you couldn't get Marcus Stroman, the name that everybody was kicking around. Maybe you have the discussion, the argument, the Yankees package could have been better than what the Blue Jays got for Marcus Stroman. But they are in a position of strength right now that they did not have to make a deal that they would regret for a rental or for a piece that may or may not be a long-term fixture in New York. I have no problem with Clint Frazier still being with the Rail Riders right now and still in the Yankees' future because I think I could buy into that. Once Stroman was off the board, I don't know if there was another deal out there where I'm like, yeah, definitely trade him away to get this guy. Right, and even when Zach Greinke goes over to the Houston Astros organization to see what the Astros had to give up in order to get him and then the concession for dollars, the amount of money that it's going to cost the Houston Astros over the next few years to have one of the most expensive pitchers in baseball on your team, it just feels like a lot. And while Houston obviously picking him up made the best move out of anybody 
it's going to be at what cost. If Houston wins the World Series this year, then maybe it's what the Chicago Cubs are thinking in. We gave up Glaber Torres, but we got Araldis Chapman, got ourselves a World Series title, and so be it. But at the end of the day, there are some guys that Houston had to give away that maybe they're not quite Glaber Torres, but maybe when you look back, there are a couple of pieces there which proved out to be guys that could make a couple of all-star teams in their careers. I agree. I, I think the the amount of talent that Houston gave away to get Zach Granke, and then you work in the financial side of it, a deal like that was nowhere near viable for the New York Yankees. You're not going to give up Frazier, Davey, Albert Abreu, Tyro Estrada. Esteban Florial. You're not going to give up these guys and then still pay $10 million or $20 million, whatever the deal might have been for Zach Granke, and be viable in two years or three years. Because at some point, you're going to get to the end of the line with some of these guys that, whether it's free agency that you, you don't bring them on or they get to the end of their career. So you the health issues you've had this season is yet another reason why I think Clint Frazier stays with this team. Because Aaron Hicks, the issues you've had with him. Stanton's not back yet. But there's so much talent waiting to come back. Healing might be a better deadline for the Yankees than the trade day was. One of those guys that you mentioned that you didn't want to just give away was the 20-year-old arm, Davey Garcia. We've talked about him already. His AAA debut now a couple of weeks old. He's now made five appearances for the Rail Riders, including most recently a start against Charlotte this week. And it was an interesting game. It was a game in which rain played a factor. There was a 36-minute delay that broke up his top of the third inning. And I thought we saw a different side of Davey Garcia than maybe we hadn't seen over his first four starts with the Rail Riders. I like what we've seen out of him. We still have not seen his best yet. We've seen flashes of brilliance. And you saw him going up against Nick Madrigal and Luis Robert in that first inning. And he's firing the fastball at 95 miles per hour, which is a little more akin to what the Yankees fan want versus what we're getting. I think you're seeing the development of a guy who's still 20 years old. He's dealing with this new league and all of the idiosyncrasies of AAA baseball this season. The numbers haven't played to his AA side yet, but I do think that we're seeing improvements on a nightly basis from Davey Garcia. You're right. Now, as all of these guys start to make their way up to the big leagues and I don't think we will see Davey Garcia make his big league debut this year, but Yankee fans will have him on the radar. Some other names are starting to poke up there and and be more fixtures. And I think the one name that we could be seeing as a longer-term guy up there is Mike Ford, somebody that we're more than familiar with. Yankee fans have seen the name, but I think it's really important at this stage with Luke Voigt out, with Edwin Encarnacion out, to really give people an idea of what we have seen from Mike Ford at this level this year. Impressive power, the ability to drive a ball through the ballpark, not just out of it. (laughs) Mike's been fun to watch, and he is not the fleetest of foot. He's a good defender. He can get around on the bases when he needs to, but he gets around on a baseball quite often. 20, what, 23 home runs with the Rail Riders this year, the team leader. I love this opportunity for Ford. I hate that it had to happen this way, that he wasn't just flat out given a chance, but 
Sometimes you need those opportunities. Perhaps there's another corner infielder that got an opportunity because of an injury, and look how he has shined. I think Ford is starting to come through these last couple of games for the Yankees when he's gotten more consistent playing time. Is he going to be their everyday guy right now? Probably not. You've got DJ LeMahieu that can fill in. You spell DJ every couple of days, or maybe you get the good matchup for Mike against a right-hander. You find a spot where his bat plays. There are some flaws in everybody's game at some point in time, and I think Mike has done a nice job this year developing into a player that the Yankees can make some use of because as much as we look at the rest of the infield and you hope that Luke Voigt, he's healthy, that he's running, he's able to hit a ball, and he doesn't have to have surgery that ends his season or at least ends his regular season realistically, that... I think Mike Ford has a really good opportunity in front of himself. You see Kyle Higashioka up there right now, and he's Mm -hmm. creeping that average up to 300. It's taken a while because when you're playing every couple of days, it's really tough. (laughs) So Higgy's done a nice job, and I think Mike Ford, with more playing time, will really show the Yankees and the fan base what he brings, which is some pretty prodigious power. Adam Marco, voice of the Rail Riders, our guest as always here on Broadcast Banter. Thanks for the time, and we will talk to you again next week. Sounds great. One of the guys that we were able to talk to here at home at PNC Field this season, Brian Hoke of MLB.com. We were able to have him out at the ballpark. He and Mark Feinsand were out at the ballpark signing books. Mission 27 is the name of the book from the 2009 World Series Championship for the New York Yankees. He joined us on the pregame show. It was a wide-ranging interview in which – We talked about that 2009 World Series championship, fun anecdotes from the book that is available at all local retailers, and also talked to him about this year's team and how there are shades of the 2009 New York Yankees, the team that went on to win the World Series title a decade later and the team that's currently playing in New York. So again, a lot of topics covered, and our guest here this week on the podcast is MLB.com's Brian Hoke. Yeah, it's the uh, 2009 Yankees, 10 years later, and I can't believe it's been a decade already. But, um, you know, Mark and I were talking about a project that we might be able to work on together. And uh, we are obviously we're both covering the Yankees in 2009, uh, me for MLB.com, where I still am. And uh, he was with the New York Daily News at the time. And um, the more we kept talking about story ideas or book ideas, we kept going back to 2009, and it was such a pivotal year for the Yankee franchise. They obviously went out and spent money on CeCe Sabathia, A.J. Burnett, Mark Teixeira, made a big trade for Nick Swisher, and and we know how the book is going to end. They win the World Series, they beat the Phillies in six games, but um, they were moving from the old stadium to the new one that you close this historic building and you open this new cathedral across the street, across 161st Street, and... Um, you know, just digging back into that year, I feel like the stories were told then, but we didn't get the complete story. And that's really what we wanted to do was go back and track down as many guys from that 2009 team as we could. And it was a lot of fun doing the project. It was kind of like, I say it's kind of like going to your high school reunion and hanging out with everybody and catching up. And um, really, we learned a lot about that 09 team. And I feel like it was underappreciated at the time because 
you had all these stars on that team, and you figure, all right, they win the 09 World Series. They're probably going to win again in 10, 11, 12, and it didn't happen. So now, 10 years later, you look up, and that's the most recent championship. And uh, I feel like I gained a greater appreciation for that team just by doing this. Yeah, when you were going through that, obviously just tease us a little bit. You don't have to get into everything. But what was something surprising that you learned that maybe you didn't realize before? Gosh, my favorite chapter in the book is about Alex Rodriguez's birthday party. And A-Rod had, I mean, this is a team that really hung out together and enjoyed themselves off the field. And um, CeCe Sabathia was a huge part of that. That's part of the reason they wanted to go sign him that contract. They wanted what he brought to clubhouses in Cleveland and Milwaukee because the Yankees did not have that. They, you know, they were very professional and businesslike, but they weren't really a family the way that 09 team was. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that the A-Rod birthday party, he was dating Kate Hudson at the time. And um, he had a mansion out in Westchester, and, and we got these great stories from everybody on the team, and we never would have got this in 09, but now guys have been retired a few years. They're happy to talk about things, and um, it's just this wild pool party at this mansion in Westchester, and it's very swanky. They had Nobu catered it, and everybody was in, you know, their dress, you know, tuxedos and, and stuff, and by the end of the night, A.J. Burnett and CeCe Bathia looked at this giant Olympic-sized swimming pool, and they said, you know we're all ending up in that pool, right? <laughs> and um, so you know, they, they weren't sure how A-Rod was going to react to that, but he was game for it, and he was one of the first people in the pool, and you know everybody's in. Nobody took out their cell phones or wallets. They're just in the pool, and um, there was one guy on the team, Dave Robertson, did not want to get in because he was a rookie, and A-Rod had just bought him this $2,000 suit. And he didn't want to mess up the suit. And Kevin Long, the hitting coach at the time, pulled Robertson aside eventually and was like, just get in the pool. He'll buy you another suit. And so that's my favorite chapter in the book. But there's a lot of stuff like that because this team enjoyed um, playing together and they enjoyed hanging out together. And 10 years later, they love talking about it. Yeah, I was going to say this as we're talking with Brian Hoke from the book Mission 27. It's out now, right? That you wrote with Mark Feinstand. And it seems like it's something that not only Yankees fans can enjoy, but me personally i grew up a mets fan the way you're selling it it's like all right i gotta make sure i get out and get this because it sounds like it's just full of all kinds of great stories from that team i I think it it's kind of a time capsule too of what baseball was like 10 years ago because i don't think some of these things in the book would still happen today i think Mm -hmm. now you walk into a clubhouse and, and this is not for better or for worse but there's a part in the uh in the book where I talk about the closing of the old stadium and how people are walking around the warning track with their little click cameras, and you realize (laughs) that the iPhone has barely been invented in 2009. So, like, the world has changed. There's no, there's barely any Twitter. Um, You know, the social media landscape has changed, and I think that guys are more protective now of their privacy. Um, I think we're more secluded now, too. And when I walk into the Yankee Clubhouse, I see a lot of guys just with their earbuds in and staring under their phones, and that's not the way it was in 2009. That was really a group. I mean, they did things like they had the outings they they went out and had billiards tournaments and spring training they uh you know they they had a kangaroo court where mariano rivera got fined for uh teaching roy halliday his cutter um yeah this team was uh, was a unit and they were great on the field they won 103 games and they took care of business in the postseason but it was just a fun team to be around and when mark and i kept doing these interviews with guys that really shone through I was going to say, and just kind of one more thing before we let you go and, and kind of get back out to meeting and greeting fans, signing books here at PNC Field tonight. You talked about, you know, this year's Yankee team. Obviously, you've seen them up close. We've seen them from afar. What has it been like to just see guys basically come up from here in Scranton and 
whether it's Gio or Shella or, or whoever, just kind of take that step and keep this team to where it's got the best record in baseball. It makes me wonder what you guys are putting in the water here, <laughs> because whatever it is, keep doing it. It's working. Um, look, if, if you look, if I left spring training, you told me Luis Severino's not going to pitch an inning for this team. Dylan Batances won't. You're barely going to have Giancarlo Stanton. He played nine games. Judge is going to get hurt. Um, Andujar is going to play, what, three games and then get hurt. Uh, and they're still going to be in first place and have the best record in baseball? Yeah. No chance. I, I So, I mean, Urshela, you mentioned, he was barely a guy we even talked to in spring training. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was there, but you figured Andujar is a starting third baseman, and, you know, I'm sure this Urshela guy will be down at AAA and – um, he's been fantastic, and it's really been that next man up mentality. And um, yeah, all the credit has to go to Aaron Boone. I think you know you saw his explosion on the field. He really has the players' backs. So they they embrace that. But I think he's done a masterful job of plugging it in, having these guys believe that okay, whoever gets hurt, next man up, we'll take care of it. Um, and you know. It, you just go down the list, and they have had an all-star team on the injured list this year, and they're still getting it done on the field. So it's been remarkable to watch. And, um, you know, just like in 2009, you get the sense that something special is happening in the Bronx. Back inside a call away, Adam Giardino with you. And we certainly thank Brian Hoke for being that interview guest. He was entertaining, as always. If you heard the broadcast that night, Mark Feinsand, the other half of the duo, joined us on the broadcast for two full innings. And, boy, did he have tons of stories to tell. If you're in the market for some good late summer beach reading, I would think that Mission 27 is exactly what you're looking to do. Over the course of the week, we get reports sent in from all levels of the Yankees minor league system from down in single A in Charleston. That's Matt Dean. Nick Flamia in high A with the Tampa Tarpons. John Moses in double A with the Trenton Thunder. And our very own Adam Marco putting up a report this week here in scranton Wilkesbury. Without further ado, let's step out of the way. Matt Dean, it's all yours. With this look at the Riverdogs, I'm Matt Dean. Charleston has surged back into contention in the past week, winning five of their last six heading into play on Sunday. All wins against two of the top teams in the South Atlantic League in Delmarva and Hickory. Charleston's turnaround has been marked by a complete offensive resurgence, championed by the Dogs' own MVP candidate, Kanan Smith, who raised his batting average to a season-high 326 after his sixth consecutive multi-hit game on Saturday night. The Rockwall, Texas native is now an absurd 25 for his last 50 at the plate and is hitting a blistering 418 dating back to July the 1st, a mark that ranks fourth in all of minor league baseball. He leads MILB with a 533 OBP in that span. Riverdogs manager Julio Mascara talked yesterday about how the adjustments that Smith has made at the plate in getting back to working the opposite field. He's probably one of the best hitters in this league and going on the opposite field. His over 40% of his hits are going to the opposite field. And he's, he's the type of guy that you, he'll take what the pitcher give him. You know, he's not a guy that is going to go look in middle lane to try to pull the ball all the time. I'm going to pitch him away. He's going to go the other way. He's going to hit the ball hard. And he's got something that other hitters don't have. That when you hit the ball to the opposite field, a lot of hitters get a weak liners and Kenan Smith doesn't. He's get a line drive. He's hit so many balls over 100 miles and so many balls over 95 miles, which is hard to do from going to the opposite field and that's what he does. After hitting four home runs in the month of June but with a season low 703 OPS Smith has surged into league MVP conversation since leading the league in batting and ranking second in overall OPS. With the Tampa Tarpons I'm Nick Flamia. Last night Tampa's offense erased a 5-1 deficit by scoring 11 unanswered runs and a 12-5 win to clinch the weekend series in Clearwater. 
Esteban Florial drove in four runs with a pair of RBI triples, his second career multi-triple game, and his first since 2015 in the Dominican Summer League. Steven Sensley punctuated the onslaught with his second multi-homer game of the week. The 23-year-old smashed a two-run blast to right that traveled approximately 469 feet out of Spectrum Field before adding a solo blast in the ninth. The left-handed slugger has hit around the Mendoza line for most of this season, but over his last seven games, Sensley is batting 308 with four home runs and five RBI. I'm doing a lot of stuff different right now. Um, it's just some stuff I changed in my swing. Changed some uh, stuff in my stance too. That's helping me uh, see the ball better and put a better swing on the ball. The difference in Sensi's approach at the plate has resulted in an increase in free passes, with half of his 22 walks coming in his last 18 games. I kind of opened up a little bit, but I'm just being more patient at the plate, just um, not trying to really press too much. Like when I press, that's when you know bad things happen. I'm just trying to let the game come to me and uh, just take what they give me. In other news, Pablo Olivares extended his hitting streak to 10 games and ranks fourth in the league with a 369 on base percentage. Leonardo Molina also homered last night and is 12 for 30 with eight RBI over his last nine games. And right-hander Kyle Zurak retired 12 of 13 batters faced to pick up the win in relief, extending his scoreless inning streak to 13 innings. With the Trenton Thunder, I'm John Moses. This week, the Thunder once again made history when righty Brian Keller threw the team's second no-hitter of the season and sixth in franchise history. Keller was brilliant from the start, issuing just one walk and needing just 70 pitches to complete a seven-inning no-hitter against Altoona. A 39th-round selection in 2016 out of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee was the beneficiary of a few terrific defensive plays in the field behind him. Chief among them, a diving stop by third baseman Max Burt in the fifth inning. Right-hander has the one he wants. A 1-2. Curve ball pulled down the line. A fair ball. A diving stop by Burt. To his feet. The throw to first is in time. Put it on Sports Center for Max Burt. And that's the final out here in the fifth inning, preserving a no-hitter for Brian Keller and the Thunder through five innings here in a seven-inning game. Keller was quick to note the role the defense played in his no-hitter and his post-game comments to the media following his first career no-hitter. Defense behind me was incredible. Um, Bert made that diving stop. That's the point where I knew it was going to happen because I always said that there's always that one play in a perfect game or no-hitter that, that keeps it alive and that kind of fires everybody up. And that was the one. Um, and then you got Hoy um, saving one that was going through the hole. A lot of good players out there. Wags had one down the line. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Last weekend, Scranton Wilkesbury played its 105th game of the year. On Monday, we had the chance to catch up with manager Jay Bell. One quarter of the season remaining, and the Rail Riders have been a first-place club. The division lead over Buffalo or Syracuse, Lehigh Valley, anywhere between four to seven games over the last couple of weeks. To this point, Bell thinks the team has lived up to the expectations that he set forth during Meet the Rail Riders in April. You know, I told the fans that were there they'd be proud of this team, that my expectations for them was to, to go out and play hard, to uh, represent the Yankee organization uh, well and, and uh, the city of Scranton well. I think they've done that. Uh, we have played good baseball. It is exciting to see where we're at. How much does the skipper pay attention to what the teams below Scranton Wilkesbury are doing within the division? I'd be lying to you if I wouldn't, uh, if I didn't tell you that I'd look to see what the teams behind us are doing. 
it's just kind of a natural thing to do. I don't worry about it a whole bunch, but I, I do look, you know, just to see. I expect the guys to come to the ballpark and to prepare well every day. That's it's it's what the message has been and will always be. You know, a lot of times you can't you can't control some things that go on, but you can you can't control the effort that you put into your daily routine, and you you can supply the energy that it takes to get out there and to get after a team, uh, you know, on a nightly basis. With Scranton Wilkesbury, I'm Adam Marco. Big thanks to those guys for sending their reports into us this week. And a big thanks to Wendell Riho, one of our pregame guests, as well as Brian Hoke of MLB.com for joining us on the radio broadcast and on the podcast as well. I'm Adam Giardino signing off for a call away this week. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Adam Giardino, G-I-A-R-D-I-N-O. And you can catch Adam, Marco, and me beginning 30 minutes Prior to every first pitch for Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders baseball, you can catch all the action for that on the Rail Riders Radio Network, the TuneIn Radio app, and on the MILB First Pitch app as well. We certainly hope that you do join us on the radio broadcast this week, but if not, we will talk to you again next week on a call away.